You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric May, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Platteville. Um, I think I've been to Platteville twice in my life. Uh, I was in the gym uh, at UW Platteville at some point in my life. Um, so technically, uh, I believe the first question to this mailbag from our good friend Mitch Maher over at Brew Hoop uh, can be voided. Why does it always sound as if Eric has never actually visited any of his affiliate stations? Um, I believe a gym in at UW Platteville. I think ESPN Platteville would have to be around there. So I'm going to say I have visited uh, my affiliate station at, uh, at Platteville. Um, are you okay with that, or is is that a lie? That's probably a lie, huh? So you're saying that, like, in the corner with like a, a recording device, and that that constituted ESPN Platteville? Is that what you're implying? I mean, the gym it, in the gym. It's. I mean, I feel like that could certainly be possible. I don't think that's the the least fair thing I've ever said on the podcast. Yeah, I, I'm still fascinated by how many people have started listening to our podcast after you started doing this with no context for what these things mean, <laughs> and uh, especially people who live like in other countries and are just totally confused by it. But. Um, yeah, well, I won't make any comments as to whether or not these are real or not. I'll just let people figure out uh, what uh, what they want to believe. The ESPN um, Wisconsin network is huge, and I'm proud to <laughs> represent everyone in the state of Wisconsin and, you know, even people outside of the state of Wisconsin. So uh, shout out to Mitchell for the question, and a hello to you, Frank, my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I'm good. I uh, just got back from my first uh, plane flights with uh, a a small child and everything went pretty well. So uh, I didn't want to, you know, jinx it by by saying things were went great over the weekend before we came back, but we flew to uh, (laughs) the Bay area for a wedding in Sonoma and um, my six month old uh, handled it like a champ. She was very uh, well behaved on the flights and generally happy and, I didn't cry at all, slept a fair bit. So, um, you know, we, we flew Southwest, which is like the ultimate like airline to fly with a little kid on because, uh, you know, we, we had a, a high enough boarding group that, you know, people just wanted to avoid us, you know, cause mm-hmm. you, you have the free seating or whatever. So, um, so we didn't have anybody next to us on the first flight and the second <laughs> flight, a, a guy who was a little bit bigger actually willingly sat next to us, which I was like, Hey, whatever, your, your choice. Um, <laughs> but it, it went fine. And, uh, you know, the the whole bags fly free thing was also nice because I like you know we took a, a, a um I'm, oh my god I can't the thing you put in. <laughs> the car seat that's what they're called <laughs> we took a car seat with us um, rather than like renting one or something like that we just uh, we just took a car seat with us checked it and uh, threw that in our rental car which uh, I've become I can now very quickly uh install a, uh, a car seat so i'm uh, i can't always think of the name of it but i can <laughs> but anyway 
that was my weekend. Um, I didn't really think about the Bucks much at all. I saw the Pat Connaughton news and had no real opinion uh, on that. How dare you? Um, yeah, I know. I know. We uh, we did not miss a, a chance for an emergency pod because I had I had no emergency thoughts on it. But um, <laughs> meandering uh, mailbag that people have thankfully uh, been very appreciative that you have tweeted at us um, questions. So let's just let's just start cr- cruising through because we know these take forever. So let's just do it. Um, While we're here, uh, I'm just going to inform all of you: this is going to take up the rest of our week. Um, this will be our Tuesday podcast and our Wednesday podcast and our Thursday podcast and our Friday podcast. So, uh, you're probably going to hear me give a lamish, uh, intro to each of them, uh, the next three days, but then you are going to hear more questions from this mailbag. We are recording Monday night at 10 PM. So as you think through all of this, uh, that's kind of the mindset that we're in. Uh, if the Bucks make some breaking news in that time and we have to change things up, we will certainly do so. Um, but that seems relatively unlikely. So um, if everything goes according to plan, we will record everything here tonight. And I don't need to tell you this, but you know what? I'm I'm all about just being totally transparent about what we're doing. So that's what's going to happen to this mailbag. It's going to take forever. We're going to record it on Monday night uh, and then hopefully use it for the rest of the week. So Let's get into some questions. Lou Bardo asked, based on new personnel and bud hiring, what will be the biggest improvement in the Bucks' play, defense or offense? Similarly, Brian Harmon asks, how much better is the Bucks' defense going to be? None of the moves of the offseason brought in a good defender. Is just not having that much improvement? Is the lack of speed at guard and wing going to hurt this team? So I wanted to pair those together because, as we've discussed, I think the biggest upside for the Bucks, I would say, is on the defensive end because they were bad and they've been below average for the last few years and i don't think there's any reason for them to be below average um and on the flip side they were a top 10 offense this past year i think they were seventh uh so while i think they can certainly improve there and continue to get better um i would say that their biggest opportunity is on the defensive side and i mean you know they didn't bring in any like terrific lockdown defenders but then again i mean they pretty much just brought in kind of more peripheral kind of rotation guys um granted brooke lopez could very well start um but i think you know when you think about like who they're replacing you know if Ilyasova is effectively eating most of like jabari's minutes well you know putting in like a you know a small orange traffic cone is going to probably help your defense more than bringing back jabari parker so you know not a high bar for ursan to have to uh get over for for him to improve the defense again ursan not a great defender but you know he works hard he attempts to take lots of charges um he will you know try um which is which is a plus uh and again he also doesn't have to play that much um and then i think brooke lopez uh again like not a guy that is going to be able to defend in like lineups where the other team is very small but against bigger lineups um i think there is actually a chance that putting him in there is going to help and you know we've talked a lot about um how as much as he you know is a guy who has not rebounded himself his team's always rebound bear with him on the court and um, he has generally been part of the lineups that uh, reduce shots at the rim and force more mid-range shots. So if those things hold, then I think Brooke Lopez can also be part of uh, uh, helping the Bucks improve, uh, if only because certainly uh, last year's Thon Maker could not be replaced with worse minutes this year, whether it's Brooke Lopez or <laughs> hopefully a better Thon Maker. So, um, so yeah, I think the Bucks will definitely be better defensively. Um, what do you think? Do you, do you wish to t- make a guess as to high, how high in the defensive rankings the Bucks might be this year, uh, or or I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, I think what's interesting here is that there's 
I think there's a lot of opportunity on both sides of the ball. And that's kind of a strange thing to say when you have a top 10 offense like the Bucks had this year. But um, when you look at kind of what they've ran in the past and the offense that they've had and uh, how they've deployed their shooting and their shooters and attempted uh, to put together an offensive approach, there's, there's, it wasn't good. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a different way to put it, but it left a lot to be desired. It, you you didn't really have, uh, to me, an offensive structure that really took advantage of the things that makes Giannis really great. Um, you, you rarely, if ever, saw lineups with four shooters on the floor with Giannis, and uh, obviously Brooke Lopez will be a part of this, or Sonny Silva can be a part of this, but uh, Thon Maker can be a part of it. There's, I mean, there's a possibility that you don't ever have to play Giannis with someone that can't shoot in the position above him defensively. So at the five spot, you could legitimately put shooters uh, in those spots the entire game and then below him in spots one through three you can also put shooters and um i, I think as you uh, attempt to figure out exactly what this bucks team can look like going forward what Giannis's offensive game can look like going forward um i think we've talked about it for for a couple of years now like there's a good chance that as Giannis develops, uh, I think he's still going to like post-ups. Uh, he started to like uh, the block areas a little bit, especially uh, the left block where he can kind of look over his left shoulder and throw cross-court passes with his right hand uh, and where he can kind of get to the middle there. Like he's He kind of seems to like that spot. Those are, to me, very much the, Le- the LeBron James spots. Like That is how, when you look at the way that... Uh, the Cavaliers over the years kind of tried to use it. players around LeBron was a lot of shooting and just let him get to his spots and do those things. So there is some level of, you know, it the, the Bucks offense doesn't even necessarily have to be that creative. You can just use the players around Giannis in a much better way. And um, I, I do think there's at least some possibility um that this Bucks offense becomes a, a top five offense. And again, they were a top 10 offense this year, seven or eight, I think, or maybe nine, depending on which place you want to look at for offensive ratings. So there's not as much improvement to be had there, but I do think they can get considerably better on that end, uh, flow considerably better, and hopefully get some easier looks. So I think there's plenty to be excited about offensively, but I just think the defense has been... It's been so poor now for the last three years that I, I, the, I think the answer to the question is probably pretty obvious, but I don't necessarily know that. I'm trying to think how to say it. It's like, I don't know that the defense is going to be a, a great unit. I just know it's not going to be a bad unit anymore. And that can really lead to a lot of improvement. But like, I, I just think, uh, you know, as you try to separate the degrees between good and great and bad and good, um, typically there's a lot of more room between bad and good and good and great. But the difference between good and great and bad and good, maybe getting to a great spot can be very good. <laughs> like, that can help you out in an even greater way. So like, it, that's the only thing that I would maybe quibble with a, a little bit. But I think the opportunity to be a better defensive team is 
massive this year. And when when you think about Mike Boonholzer and what he's known for, defense and player development, I think you're going to see a lot better defense. And um, I think that's probably the biggest improvement. But man, watching an offense around Giannis that actually makes some sense, like from an individual standpoint, I mean, I don't know if 30 points per game is all the question for Giannis this year. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about. Um, let me let me actually just jump in with another question that that kind of touches on some of this. What um, Riley Maxwell asked: What are some things you'd like to see Giannis add to his game this year besides the obvious outside shooting that you think will help him make another leap slash run at MVP? Um, there's one thing that I really wanted to to, to highlight here, and you kind of were getting at it, um, a little bit. But the one thing that and it's interesting because we saw him tr- start to show occasional flashes of this, like as a second year player. And they really haven't seen it at all, which is like just like the five to seven foot little baby jump hook, you know, mm-hmm. which is a shot that no one is ever really going to block from him. Um, but he doesn't really seem that interested in shooting it. And especially in the last year or two, it seems like when he is in a lot of the spots, like with his back to the basket or kind of like dribbling in, trying to get closer to the rim, he now more off more often than than certainly previously, he settles for fadeaway jump shots. And you know, again, it's like there's always this fine line between you want that shot in your arsenal, but then again, like I think he settles for fadeaway jumpers too often. Like I mean, I think he's, I mean, he's a bad mid-range jump shooter. Still, it's it's probably the worst shot that any like it's it's like the most the most sort of often off taken shot in the Bucks offense last year that was also very terrible was like a Giannis yeah. mid-range jump shot, especially like a Giannis turn like a fadeaway Giannis like attempted glasser like shots. It's like about that. as bad again, as it can get. You know, like th- those shots, like Giannis takes those shots a-, a lot more than like, for instance, Bledsoe takes mid-range jump shots. Um, and as much as like people hate Bledsoe's mid-range jump shots, you know, he's also taking probably like better balanced jump shots, whereas Giannis is not like he's taking a lot of very difficult mid-range jump shots that, again, like, you know, as part of the issue is like, well, you know, it- he's trying to like figure out what he's going to do. And obviously sometimes he can't just drive to the rim every time. So sometimes he's going to have to, you know, keep that to put that shot up to be on to keep teams honest but i, I do think it, it kind of he went, goes a little bit too far with it and i think the flip side is if he you know focused more on trying to battle towards the rim and using his length on you know little like baby hook shots man i mean we, we occasionally see it like little just one-handed shots it doesn't it just doesn't seem like he has a very good feel for it for some reason um even though again like it you know it's certainly an easier shot than a you know, fade away, you know, a contested jump shot or something like that. So um, that might be one thing I would highlight. The other thing, it's funny you mentioned the 30 points. I, I'm really curious. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious if Giannis is actually going to score more points this year or if he may just become more of a playmaker this year, a better playmaker. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, like, I've, I've taken the under on his assist the last couple of years in our, in our over-unders. Um, but I think it might be fun. Like, that might be kind of like a fun outcome is – Maybe Giannis doesn't really increase his scoring this year, right? Maybe he's quote unquote only a twenty-seven points per game guy or something. <laughs> but what if he averages like close to seven assists? Yeah, like that—that'd be pretty awesome, right? I mean, if the, if there's so much more emphasis on putting shooters around him um, and having a modern offense that's Giannis centric, that might be you know kind of the other obvious outcome to get out of him. And again, I, I don't think his passing has really evolved much um, since sort of early in his career. Um, but that might be something that that maybe we see him take a positive step in because again I just don't they also don't think that the offense has really leveraged his passing 
as well. I think we did see him get smarter about finding shooters. Um, and we'd have, I feel like the second half last year, we saw more hashtag cool passes from Giannis, <laughs> which I complained about earlier in the season. But obviously the raw assist numbers haven't been that high. And partly just because, you know, it's been a pretty stagnant offense that has just sort of like watched Giannis just try to go to work. Hopefully that, that does change a little bit. Um, anything else you want to add there as far as stuff Giannis adds to his game? I think that's really interesting because there were times where, I mean, there's just that, I don't even know how to describe them. There's those next level corner three passes where you're say you're on the left side of the floor you're mid move and you're you're essentially playing with the weak side defender that's trying to decide should i help down on the guy that's on sitting on the baseline and like kind of in the dunker spot or should i get out to the corner and you know you you have to be able to make that decision on time and you have to be able to effectively play with that defender on the backside and make them think you're going to throw one when you're actually going to throw the other. And there was times where I think you saw Giannis make that pass. You saw him make it early for some corner threes. And, you know, at times those corner threes didn't go in. And it was frustrating to see Giannis rack up some potential assists. But at the same time, you were starting to see some of that. So um, I do. I think that's a great point, Frank, because there maybe is some possibility that it is just going to stay at 27 points per game. And, you know, some of those assists are going to open up more uh, and that'll be uh, the results of a more open offense. So uh, to me, cool passes would be pretty, pretty high on my list. And then I think the hook shot part is interesting because and again, I would I would kind of want to ask Giannis about this a little bit, but it does feel like his finishes tend to be more guard and wing based than big based, if that makes any sense. And I think a lot of times when he gets into that spot, his tendency is to want to go to a finger roll um, or maybe like a little bit of a floater as in, instead of the hook shot. Right. Because I mean, those are uh, to me, I think there's kind of two different mindsets. Like when Al Horford's coming across the lane, like I think it's a lot easier for Al Horford to think, okay, hook shot here. Cause this is what I've been doing my whole life. Like uh, this is kind of who I am while with Giannis, like, you know, I'm kind of uh, more athletic. Uh, I'm able to be, be able to, you know, slither around a little bit easier and go to those finger rolls. So I wonder if there's, there's some part of it that isn't totally natural for him. Uh, and, and maybe that makes him feel a little bit less comfortable, but yeah, I think it would be a, a really interesting thing to see. And again, I, I hate to always use LeBron comparisons, but I don't know. I don't know that we ever saw LeBron get comfortable with a hook shot. Like, that that's just yeah. not that's just not something he's ever had, and uh, I do think you know there are maybe some similar, uh, there just are similar tendencies. Like may, Giannis is probably never going to be LeBron because he's one of the best basketball players in the history of the game, but uh, I do think their tendencies are similar. So I'm curious if if that is something that Giannis will ever truly get comfortable with. So, I, but I, to me, the, those are the things like playmaking, and to me specifically playmaking in the LeBron spot, like where you grab it on that wing, you get uh, kind of in uh, that elbow wing post area. And you're able to kind of dictate the chess pieces. You're able to move them around with your eyes, with pass fakes and able to make some plays out of there. So to me, that's where I think it'd be really exciting to see some development. Yeah. And I think the the big thing for me is just when Giannis is, is especially when he has smaller guys on him, you know, attacking mismatches, then finish with your momentum 
going towards the basket. Absolutely. Right. Like like not fading away, not stepping back. And again, like, you know, Chris Middleton is a guy who who settles for a lot of step backs and fadeaways. Well, I mean, again, like we're not in love with that stuff either. But Chris Middleton's an elite mid range shooter and a guy who can actually finish those. Right. The, the ones where Quirk is like corkscrewing and turning his entire body are not ones I enjoy or are useful. But um, but Giannis in particular, I mean, I think he he really needs to be more on balance in, in a lot of those situations. And again, you know, he's gotten better. He can occasionally make those. But, you know, again, like in terms of like high value shots, like obviously those aren't them. Um, NBA all night at NBA all night asked, will the Bucks surprise everyone this year by reaching the Eastern Conference finals or will they make everybody crazy by reaching the NBA finals? Um I mean, we're we're on record as being like hashtag Team Fifty Wins. Um, I gotta, you know, I see some power rankings, Frank, and I'm just I like really, it. I'm just really confused. Like, I love it. Under, <laughs> I, I love it. I want, I want everybody to underestimate the Bucks. I want the Bucks to be considered a below average NBA team. Um, <laughs> I, I want people to think. I think our friend Dean Maniat had a comment or a tweet the other week where it was like. You know, everybody is going to be overrating it. All the like over unders are going to be overrating the Sixers and underrating the Bucks, and I'm all for that. Like, great. <laughs> we'll just pound the over in our <laughs> fake you know, gambling that we don't actually do. Um, but I'm I'm totally fine with it because God knows this team doesn't do well with expectations. Yeah, so if this true. team needs to be slightly um, slightly slept on, then that's probably a good thing. But um, look, I don't think the Bucks are going to go to the East Finals or the NBA Finals for that matter. Um, I don't think it's like out of the question that they could get to the East Finals. I just, again, I, I think it's tough to go from not having won a playoff series and you know whatever it is, it'll be 18 years, I think, at that point by next spring. Um, so I, I, I think that's a tall ask. But do I expect, you know, would I think the the Bucks can win a playoff series? Yeah. Um, do I think it's a better than 50-50 bet? Well, damn, it's, it's obviously tough to, to bet on any Bucks team to win a playoff series. But that's sort of where my head is at at this point. I think that should be the goal. I think they should be. I mean, if they're not the fourth seed or better in the East, I think this season, you know, or, or slash they make it to the second round from a lower seed. I think it's a disappointing season that I think last year was a disappointing season. So, um, you know, at some point the Bucks have to kind of actually do it um and that's it's hard obviously as a bucks fan (laughs) you've been watching them this long to to really believe that it's finally going to be the year but obviously you know with Giannis, with new coaching with not jason kidd and his staff coaching um you know i think there's reason to think that this could finally be the year where things turn and you know we talked about the defense we talked about the offense i think you know again the bucks are positioned well and also as we said i think maybe flying a little under the radar you know especially with Toronto stealing a lot of uh, late summer buzz, understandably with the Kawhi move. No, nobody's going to predict the Bucks ahead of the Raptors, oh. uh, uh, Celtics, or or Sixers. Um, but I think of those teams, I think Philly in particular could be a team that you could actually go gunning for, just because again, Philly to win fifty two games, they had to have that crazy hot streak at the end of the season. You know, they lose a couple of the guys that were kind of central to that. And again, with Joel Embiid, you never know exactly how his health may play out. Um, I think Ben Simmons gets better this year, but, you know, looking at that roster, um, you know, as much as the Bucks, we, we obviously raised a lot of questions about the Bucks and whether they really did enough this summer. Um, but I mean, relative to sort of flexibility to actually what they got done, I mean, I, I think the Sixers had probably one of the most disappointing summers of, of any team, right? I yeah. think they did some nice stuff on draft night, getting an extra pick and, 
you know, rolling the dice on Zaire Smith. But other than that, um, I mean, I don't think he's going to really help this year. And then in the grand scheme of things, they bring back J.J. Redick. Um, I mean, we thought they were going to get Emanuel Bielitsa on a much better than Ursan deal. And then Billy Bielitsa apparently saw Ursan's deal and backs <laughs> out, ends up getting an Ursan deal from uh, an even dumber team, the, the Sacramento Kings. So, um, so yeah, Philly is, is an interesting spot. They basically add Wilson Chandler and sort of keep a lot of the rest of their roster. And so obviously, you know, a lot of questions like is, is Markel Fultz going to actually be a real NBA player? That's probably the biggest swing to me that could happen this year is if he is actually a good basketball player. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. Philly, Philly's an interesting spot, right? I mean, nobody expected them to win even mid to high forties in a lot of ways last yep. year. And they kind of just completely blew it out of, out of, uh, out of the park. So we'll be interested to see, um, if I think if, if, if you're, if the Bucks were going to catch any team to catch a top three spot, I think it'd be Philly. But, um, again, you know, pretty high bar with what the, that team has actually accomplished. And obviously the Bucks, you know, still trying to get to that 50 win plateau, but you know, we, we obviously are believers that, that it's a doable thing this year. I think it's going to be fun to juxtapose expectations in Milwaukee and expectations out of Milwaukee because I think they're going to be very different because you mentioned the idea that you know this this is a year that the Bucks should get out of the first round and uh in my Chris Middleton feature that went up at bucks.com today like one of the things Chris said was Last year was supposed to be the year they got past the first round. Last year was supposed to be the year where they got to kind of see, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. You win a first round series and then what can happen after that? And they they kind of thought internally that was what last year was supposed to be. So I think the expectations internally this year, you know, will be very high, will be kind of, I think, similar to what we're drawing up here, where we're saying 50 wins, where we're saying, uh, you know, win a first round playoff series, see what happens in the second and, uh, you know, put yourself in a good spot there. So uh, I think internally it's going to be like that, but externally I I can, I get it, man. Like it, Brooke Lopez, not super exciting. Ursani Ilyasova, probably even less exciting. Pat Connaughton, I can't even imagine you thought about it. Uh, So like all those things aren't going to add up to something great, but it, it is just, to me, so big that you you bring in Mike Boonholzer, who I think is, again, maybe we weren't the highest on Boonholzer going into the coaching hiring process and all that, but I think most people probably view him as a top 10 coach. Uh, Zach Lowe talked about being a Bud Acolyte uh, in the last couple of weeks on the low post. Like, there's a lot of people that believe quite a bit in Mike Boonholzer, and the opposite could be true of Jason Kidd as a head coach. Like, uh, there's a lot of people that don't believe in him and what he was doing. And I, I just think, it, in my mind, uh, I thought Jason and Joe Prunty, uh, what the Jason Kidd group, to me, was probably worth minus, I don't know, two or three losses last season. And I think maybe that's on the low end and on the higher end, you could say five or six. And I, I wouldn't bat an eye. I think that'd be totally fine to say. And then when you look at Mike Boonholzer, you know, you, you're trying to decide how much is a good coach worth. And, you know, maybe that's a win or two uh, a game and maybe on the high side, it's closer to four or five wins. And when you add all that up, I like, I just think you're, you're going to see a team that's considerably better this season. And it speaks to both the 
ineptitude of the previous coaching staff and the the current adequacy of the new staff. Like I, I think when you add those two together, you're going to see a much better team. And I, I did it earlier today, Frank. I would assume you're probably still traveling when I did it. Um, but I, someone in some of these questions, they ask a little bit about Game Seven uh, of Celtics Bucks, and I pulled up the box score of Game Seven of Bucks Celtics. Jason Terry played 20 minutes in that game. <laughs> Tony Snell played three minutes in that game. Uh, like as you go through it, uh, Malcolm Brogdon one for eight in the game for two points across 30 minutes. Like I clearly, I think you, when you look at him, he wasn't right in that one. Uh, Jabari Parker was a minus 24 in 29 minutes. Uh, Giannis didn't have the best game, but still played 42 minutes that night. Uh, and I would say his plus minus got dragged down by that end of first quarter lineup where Tyler Zeller in four minutes, minus 13. Matthew Dova in eight minutes, minus 21. Uh, Giannis kind of got dragged down by that. But when Parker, Zeller, and Dova came in at the end of the first quarter, like things went poorly. And the Bucks never recovered from that. And I got to say... I can't imagine this coaching staff is going to bury some of the guys that they did. Like Tony Snell played three minutes in that game. That coaching staff last year destroyed his confidence. He was a shell of himself by the end of the season. And you think about adding Brooke Lopez, you think about adding Ursanelia Silva, like there's just going to be a level of competency to this team that wasn't there last year. Uh, And to think back to game seven, shit, if you can change one of those things, probably got yourself in that game whether that would be uh bringing in a competent coach whether that would be getting to have brooke lopez out there uh whether that be getting to have ursan out there instead of jabari parker for those minutes like if you get to change one of those things you probably win that series so um do i think the bucks can surprise people by reaching the eastern conference finals this year absolutely do i think they will that's a little bit tougher of a question but they're going to put themselves in the mix this year. And uh, I think it's going to be just a, like I said, I've said a couple times, like it's going to be a year of, of well-played basketball, which is something, I mean, I, I don't remember saying recently. So uh, to me, I, I think there, there's a chance for all of those things. It's hard to believe after the playoffs, what was what blood. So was what nine out of 12 for like what he scored 21 points or something like that in, in yep. game seven. Like, he, and I think that Middleton also put up good numbers in game yep, seven. I'm 32. Yep. Yeah. And I'm trying to, I think like Giannis, was he like seven out of 17 or something shooting? Correct. Something like For that? 22 yeah. points. Yep. What else did he put up in that game? Giannis? Uh, Giannis, 22 points, nine rebounds, five assists, a steal a block, four turnovers, five fouls. Middleton had 32 on 11 of 18 shooting, three assists. Uh, Bledsoe, like you said, nine of 12, 23 points, four rebounds, two assists. Yeah. Um, the the Snell stuff is, is Snell playing three minutes and Terry playing twenty is still just kind of crazy, kind of mind boggling. 